Welcome to the Future of Tourism podcast. I'm David Peacock. Stop owning your own content. Young leaders are stepping up. Bring everyone to the table. And imagine their world anew. For a brief moment in January and February 2022, as we seem to be coming out of the worst of the global pandemic, it looked like we're on track for a powerful reset that will usher in a new era of global tourism. More thoughtful, more careful, and more valuable and intentional in its approach to taking the things that connect people and places and using them to make the world a better place. I still believe that is possible and that tourism does indeed, when it's done well, make the world a better place. But the events of the war in the Ukraine have sucked all the air out of the room. A tragic sucker punch at the end of an already arduous journey. But we can't let that stop us. Tourism done well in a way that shares, amplifies, and ennobles places and people is, in my opinion, almost the antithesis of war. Sustainability, regeneration, engaging our communities, and breaking down the barriers that stop us from being inclusive, being truly equitable, and celebrating diversity, all of them matter now more than ever. In the summer of 2020, the death of an unarmed man at the hands of a Minneapolis police squad sent a shockwave that literally reverberated around the world. At the terrible cost of his life, George Floyd ripped open the debate on equity, diversity, and inclusion, and catapulted it into the central consciousness of so many people all around the world. His painful death created the opportunity for meaningful change, and we see so much just beginning to take hold. We can't waste that opportunity, we can't go backwards, and we can't tolerate intolerance, inequity, invasion, and violence. Tourism done well can make a difference. There are many ways to describe Sophia Heiderhock. She's a successful entrepreneur, she's a vanguard of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and she's the newly appointed Chief Diversity Officer at Destinations International. Sophia has spent 20 years developing strategy, facilitating and coaching on diversity, and social inclusion, gender empowerment, community engagement, emotional intelligence, and cultural awareness for clients around the world. But I think Sophie said it best herself when she wrote, I'm here to share a journey of self-exploration and to decipher what it means to be a human being in an honest and mindful way. Good afternoon, Sophia Heiderhawk. It's really good to see you. How are you? Where are you? What's it like? Good afternoon, David. It's wonderful to be here. How am I? I I'm doing well, um, given the circumstances around the world. Um, I'm healthy. I'm grateful. Where am I? I am currently in the Atlanta area. And how is it going? What's it like? What's it like? It is. Um, it's it's okay. It's okay. Um, I that's a that's a quite a loaded question. Um, in comparison to everything that's going on in the world, I can say that um, I am okay and I'm very grateful to have um, my my son who's safe um, and, and a partner who is also safe. So in the context of the world, it's okay. Well, that is definitely okay to say that. Thank you. Um, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the DI family. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it's the next step in a legacy of, of growth and development that was was started many many years ago and i'm just so proud that we're taking that step 
Um, that's a beautiful quote, especially decipher what it means to be a human in an honest and mindful way. It's essential to what you do. It's essential to you, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the core of everything that I do. So I, where does that come from then? <laughs> uh, it comes from uh, deciphering who I am and my roots um, as a human being. Um, it really comes from um, a better understanding of my parents and where they come, came from and really appreciating that. Um, both of my parents, um, they're, um, they were Bengali and Indian. Um, I am first generation American. And I really wanted to, um, as growing up, I've grown up, um, you know, I, I was born in Indiana. We moved to Idaho, to California, to Sri Lanka, back to California. And I could go to my zigzags of where I've been in life and lived in life. Um, but at the end of the day, it really comes back to understanding my um, cultural roots and the importance of that. Um, also, you know, when we talk about deciphering human beings, um, I, a few years ago, had to really think about my identity as someone um, who holds a um, U.S., as, who is a U.S. citizen and holds that passport, and my identity as a Bengali person who um, in, I think, in the light of the world, um, sometimes has, has been looked at as a country that, you know, is a little less than, and I had to come to terms with that and um, being really proud of who I am and the Bengali roots that I hold. So maybe we can go down that path for a minute, if, you, if, you, if you're willing. You grew up in America. When did you become aware when did you become aware when the, I mean, for the first five years, you're here, you're in America, but when do you become aware of the diversity question? When do you become aware of investigating your Bengali roots? How does, how does that work? That exploration I'd say did not come until I was living in Sri Lanka, probably, you know, when I was 10, it was pretty later, later on, later on um, because it was the first time that I had the opportunity to um, go to Bangladesh. And before that, you know, growing up in the United States till I was 10 years old, I knew that I was living in, you know, kind of two different worlds at home. My mom spoke Bengali to me. My dad spoke English so I could make sure I, you know, was acquainted with both. Um, I would eat Bengali food. Uh, but when I, I was at school, it's a totally different, you know, I'm eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And um, I'm you know, playing with playing with my friends that I've, you know, we've moved around so much, just playing with different. So it's it's it was really interesting um, to adapt to both. And I just knew that was a part of my life. But then really understanding what it meant to be Bengali was actually going to Bangladesh and um, meeting my relatives and um, hearing them say, I'll never forget this. They said, you know, we thought you were going to be different. We thought that you wouldn't really care about where you came from or that you were just, you know, very um, American. Um, wow. wow. And I thought, wow, no, I, I care. And <laughs> I love you. you know, and I want to learn more. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I, I'll tell you, I've got to share this with you. So I, I took a trip um, 20 years ago to England and the first time ever I walked into the house I was born in, like literally born in the house. And it was a shop. My mom had a wool shop and it was now, a, I think it was a decorator shop or something in a house in this little town, Warrington. 
And the woman sort of gruffly looked at me, marked me as an American and said, no, I help you. And I said, well, it's an odd question, but I believe I was born in this house. Is, can you shed any light on that? She goes, I don't think so. And I said, oh, well, okay, that's cool. What's your name? And I said, well, it's David Peacock. She went, oh my God, you're Alf Peacock's grand. And it, it was, but it was that same response, which is, you're you're not from here, and why would you care about this? It was it was it was fascinating, and it sort of floored me, totally floored me. I completely I completely understand that. And it's that connection, right? It right. goes back to connection and having some kind of connection to um, the culture or a person or a commonality. Could you could you feel it as a kid? Could you feel the sort of longing? Because I I mean I'm I'm a, I'm a Canadian. I'm all my life. I came to Canada. I was five. But there's this pull where you just know that there's a root there, eh? Absolutely. Um, I, I think I've had, I've had that pull. I've always had that curiosity. Um, I would ask my parents, you know, a lot of questions and um, I don't think I really explored it to be quite honest until um, from when I was 10. Sure. But really the past few years, I've really explored it and I've really embraced it because I noticed and I realized that as I was growing up, I kind of used to kind of put that part of my identity to the side um, because I was a little, you know, you hear about, you hear about Bangladesh and you hear about these stories, but I used to put that to the side. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. That's a part of who I am. I am proud wow. to be. Um, and it was a big deal. And I came to that realization actually through one of the um, identity workshops that I lead because I always do my own exercises because things change in life. And when I was doing that exercise at one of uh, a workshop that I was leading, that's when I had that aha moment. Wow. Wow. And I, I mean, I'm a fair bit, quite a bit older than you, Sophia, but the Bangladesh story through the seventies and the eighties was one of, of, of just famine and, and, and horror and, and lack of attention. It was really tough. Do you, I mean, is that part of your consciousness too, or being born, I'm assuming in the nineties or or there, did I just say that? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But um, <laughs> was that part of your consciousness of it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it, and that's what really contributed to kind of you know brushing a part of that identity of mine aside. Because uh, I think I may have felt othered, or I may have felt less than. I didn't couldn't really conceptualize what that meant, mm -hmm. so I didn't address it. Um, wow. And yeah, this is this is you know being me me being very honest about one of the reasons why this work is so important um, to me. Well, and I, and I totally appreciate that. And that's when I go back to that quote again: what it means to be human in an honest and mindful way. I, I really appreciate that as a as a as a north star for yourself and for myself. I think it's I think it's really important. So, all right, let's talk work then. Mm -hmm. It's I think it's thirty days today. No, it's not. It's about three weeks. It's only three weeks? Okay, because <laughs> I was reading the announcement. It was dated the 9th, I thought. Anyway, okay, so 30 days. You you know, we you have a vision of what's going to happen. You're coming to work. Uh, you're shifting gears. It's a big deal. In there, a war starts in the Ukraine, right? You know, in the last week. I, would, I said this at the beginning in my intro. Coming out of the pandemic, we were all really looking at a couple of key things. We were looking at the fact that sustainability had taken on a whole new mantle. It means now economic, social, and environmental. We were we we're looking at the fact that the future of tourism destinations, and I know that you know your work at DI has been a, the work of DI has been a big part of this. 
is all about engagement. It's all about serving your local community. It's about serving your citizens first and sharing your culture. And the work that Jack and Andreas have done in that area, um, Jack Johnson, Andreas Wiesenborn, for those of you who need two names, um, is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then there was the EDI question. And, and it got moved forward over a number of years at DI. It was a huge announcement that you were coming. And then in the middle of it, there's, there's, you know, at the middle of week, the beginning of week three for you, a war starts. And if anything speaks to inequity and a lack of diversity and inclusion, it's war. Just a touch on that. I mean, I don't think we can have this interview and not talk about it. It's part of the global consciousness right now. Absolutely. I think, I mean, there's so much to be said there about um, the, about war and, and the sadness that comes along with it. Um, there's also so much to be said about what that means through an equity, diversity, and an inclusion lens. Um, I've seen um, through through these, you know, horrible inequities and this horrible these things that have taken place. I've seen people come together. I've seen the tourism community come together as humans, and and figuring out ways where we can work together as a tourism industry. That's what this is about. That's what I think, you know, this equity, diversity, and inclusion work is about, is about coming together and about coming together as humans that can transcend the barriers that we have, that we think we have, having conversations. Was that, was that a natural sort of progression for you? You've, you've worked with industries around the world in different sectors, but you've worked an awful lot in travel and tourism industries on this issue as well. Um, I'm a personal believer uh, in the fact that tourism done well does make the world a better place. It breaks down barriers. It's hard to travel and meet people and, and find out, you know, just how equally authentic their experience is to your own and not come to respect them. Um, tell me about the intersection between EDI and, and tourism, please. There, there's so much to be said there as well. Um, you know, I decided I made a conscious decision to be a part of the tourism industry um, and do this work what eight or nine or so years ago. And the reason I did that is because, you know, I would travel a lot through my previous um, line of work, and. I sure, I love travel. I've learned so much from travel. It has completely transformed who I am. At the same time, um, you know, I was was working through you know, issues of security by the way that I look. Um, um, by the, you know, I'm, I'm not very tall. Um, that's another aspect of, of security issues, right? See, we, um, we would never have known that, you know that. I know, but when you meet me in person, uh, I'm not that short, but I'm not that tall either. Um, you know, it, it works the other way. I, I had a meeting with someone I'd been working with for two years, and when they finally said to me, met me, they looked, I thought you'd be much shorter. <laughs> Go on. I get all, sites of all kinds of, oh, I thought. And I was like, yeah, this is interesting, because that's unconscious bias at play, right? That's sure. where my mind goes. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought about just what I've endured as a, a traveler, um, of, as a business and leisure traveler, just of the identities that I hold. Um, and in 
abroad and in the United States. Um, you know, racial, I've, I've dealt with racial bias. I've dealt with a lot of different things in my life. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could incorporate the expertise that I have and I love, economic development, gender empowerment, design and facilitation work um, into this industry that is meant to be hospitable, but at the same time, again, right, comes back to the fact that we're human and we have biases. So what can I do as one human being with the skill sets that I have, what can I do to create systematic and systemic change? And that is, to me, understanding that um, we're all different. Sure, we're all different because we're different identities, but we have so many commonalities at the same time. And we have yeah. the ability to empathize. We have the ability to be nurturing, as we can see now, you know, through war, there's nurture. Mm -hmm. um, so I just saw all these different dynamics of the ideal world that I would love to have in the travel industry. So this is an exciting time for you. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. And I have to say, you know, in an ideal world, I wish, I wish we didn't have to, I wish a role like mine didn't exist. For but, sure. For... But I have to say that again, right? Let's go back to the fact that we're human beings and the best we can do is, and the best that I, I can do in my role is to create awareness, to create dialogue so we can connect and get to know each other better. Well, and equity, diversity, inclusion has been moving incrementally for for decades. I think we might have had, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, we might have had four or five years where the whole thing moved backwards and the national dialogue went in the wrong direction and the nomenclature around it got silly, but it's been moving forward um, for so long. I mean, we have a mutual friend, Al Hutchinson, who's the president and CEO of Visit Baltimore. He's the chair-elect at DI. He's been a personal role model for me for years. He's going to hate me for saying this. He's a mentor and he's going to say, Peacock, you're way older than me. I can't be your mentor. But he's one of the most powerful advocates for diversity that I worked with in the last decade. And, and long before the pandemic, him and John Percy, who's the president of Destination Niagara Falls, were the voices of, for change, not just in the industry, but Destinations International itself. I mean, fundamental changes, challenges to rebuild and restructure DI to reflect the mosaic, which was the people we served and worked with. And, and I, and those voices five years ago were very, very important. I feel like they, they lead us to Sophia Heider Hawk today, which is kind of exciting. I'm really, I'm really proud to have been there in that room. And when, when Al stood up and said, I, you know, he looked around the room and said, I got to tell you, look left, look right. Tell me what you see. And I thought it was a really powerful moment. Al, who I have a ton of respect for, as you can tell, said, Destinations International is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Having someone in this role on the association's executive leadership team ensures that every initiative has strategic EDI lens. Additionally, Sophia brings an entrepreneur skill set, international expertise, and a passion and desire to expand, expand the EDI footprint in our industry. All right. So let's talk about it. Give us a peek at the roadmap. Um, there's so much to do. It's your first 30 days. It's the most unfair question in the world. Usually people say, what will you do in the first 30 days? And I'm old enough now. I just look at them and say, I will read a lot. But I'm going to put you on the spot. What, where are we going? What do we need to focus on? Um, 
I know you've been charged with, you know, the direction and design of an overall strategy for the association, um, including the members, broadening the reach and the base. It really is an important time. We need to leverage what happened to George Floyd because it accelerated change. And I don't want to see that slow down. So give us a peek at what you're building. Absolutely. And I don't want to see it, see it slow down either. And um, it's, it's a very exciting time because I will bring, I will bring, and I have been bringing my full self to this uh, full and honest self, I should say, you know, to this role. Um, the first in my, my previous entrepreneurial brain, um, I still have my entrepreneurial brain, but um, I think of in three phases, I think of assess, design, and implement. That is something that I've, I always try to help build, to build frameworks. Um, and then the first, the first, you know, this first 30 days, and maybe even some of the part of the 60 days, um, it really is just what you said. It's reading a lot. It's assessing where uh, we are um, internally as an organization, as Destinations International, and assessing um, just where where the uh, members are and where they are in their EDI journeys, and that requires um, listening to people talking to my teammates, um, talking to members, and just listening to them. Again, without judgment, that's the one of the yoga phrases, without judgment, where are you at? Um, how can I help? Um, so what I'll be doing and what I have been doing is um, doing an internal assessment. And then with our members, um, I'll be meeting, we have a, a really robust EDI committee. Mm -hmm. I'll be meeting with um, our committee uh, co-chairs to discuss and understand what their goals are for this year for the committee. Um, and I will then work with our subcommittee chairs, co-chairs to discuss goals and how I can be of support. So I really want to create um, a space of dialogue to understand goals and then to help support um, those goals and initiatives so we can really you know, create this impact that we're talking about. Um, I also have a lot of different um, exciting ideas, um, you know, just when it comes to closing the gap and closing the barriers. I think sometimes we, in in general as humans, and again, you know, in this industry, talk about DEI, EDI, belonging, welcoming. And I think what's really important as a first step is to take a step back and to have a discussion about what does diversity mean for you? What does inclusion mean for you? What does equity mean for you? What does belonging mean? Going back to the fundamentals to have the discussion of what is your perspective? Maybe, you know, let's let's understand this first so we can build actionable um, strategies and plans to create impact. Because sometimes those words that are so important, we assume that people know what it means, yeah. but we may not really. And I want to make sure that that's addressed as well. Well, I, I love your starting point because if there's one of the most difficult things that we sort of came to, you know, after after George Floyd was how to start. That became how do you start? Where do you start? And I, I like the thoughtful approach of listening to where people are at because you've got to start where they're at, or you can't start elsewhere. But let me ask you this: um, I get to go all over this industry and see it. Um, you know, behind the curtains, in front of the curtains, in the sewers and on the streets. It's a fascinating um, community. And I try and share as much of that as I can. But you're, you've been out there for 30 days. You've met a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of interests. 
what's your read? What's your feeling? What do you feel? What do you, what's the vibe? What's, what's the buzz? It's, it's, it's been a positive vibe. It's been a very supportive vibe. Um, and I, it, it encourages and inspires me to be creative, which I'm really good at. Um, and it encourages me to um, think about ways where I can tailor and adapt my expertise to the different situations um, in, in EDI. So I think that the industry, as far as I've, my read for the 30 days is ready. It's really the how. How do we go from creating the awareness that something should be done to implementation and also accountability? So we've talked about it needs to happen. We've talked about the need for accountability and creating metrics. But I want to help with the how do we do this? And what are some actionable and actual measurable um, metrics that we need to have? So we don't jump ahead, but we really think about how to close that gap from awareness to implementation. Sophia, one of the most powerful things I think in human history is the concept of a movement. And I look at some of the great work being done in sustainability. I, I look at my friend and peer guy, Bigwood of the Global Destination Sustainability Movement. He actually titled it a movement, you know, mm -hmm. cocky bugger, but yes, <laughs> he's right though, because with a movement, you can change so much. There's so many people lining up to work with you. And, and I, I feel like, you know, without recruiting as you're, what you're talking about is recruiting us. How do we, how do we help you? How do we become part of the movement? How do we, what's the next steps with people who want to get involved? I, I love the advocacy work at DI. I love the committee work, but we need to recruit everybody to this one, don't we? We do. And I, and I want to really be clear here. Sometimes, um, you know, when we talk about equity, diversity, and inclusion, it can be a very um, U.S. centric phrase. And so the other aspect of what you know I'll be working on is global messaging, recognizing for us to truly be inclusive um, as Destinations International, we want to make sure that we are being inclusive of the different communities that we that are members and that we will support. So EDI may not be EDI in a different country. And I know that because I've worked abroad and with different cultures. So what will it how can we adapt um, the same um, you know, type of mindset of, of belonging and communication into different countries so it resonates. Wow, that is, that is so thoughtful. I, I listened to just a stunning interview last night on the Canadian Broadcasting Corp, and it was the founder of the Women's March in Lahore, Pakistan, and the difficulties they went through and, and, and the the sort of fake news that surrounds them. Is, is, it's, it's You definitely must have a different conversation about EDI in Pakistan just to be respectful, right? Right, right, right. And it's, it's, it's understanding our audience. It's understanding that the needs of, you know, a different um, culture or system um, are just that. They're different, but we can still work together. It's just understanding that and figuring out a way to do it. All right. And then just for that, that you know, that moment, in the morning when the sun starts to come up and you see it and the sky breaks red. One of the things that I find most encouraging is the light that's starting to shine. With it be, I, I don't mean to put them in, in boxes, but the easiest way to describe it is the millennials, the young millennials, the Gen Zs. I am so impressed with how much of the value 
of diversity and inclusion that we that we taught and shared at home has come into their lives. They're they're literally unaccepting of an inequitable situation, and not just for themselves, but for other people as well. And I'm so proud of my my daughter's generation and her peers. They really don't see color and gender, and it, it is remarkable. And if there's one thing that's you know sort of fills me with hope, it's a we start to work on this, but we're going to pick up steam so fast because those people are literally not taking jobs in places that don't reflect their values, that don't reflect the the makeup of their friends and and the people in their community. It's really encouraging, isn't it? I think it is. I think it's also you know as as especially in in, in the younger generations that that have a strong stance. I think um, it's also really important to um, create awareness about why and why it matters. Because again, right, I, I'm going to take it back to being human. We we have fight or fight or flight responses. Mm-hmm. That's just a part of our brain. So to be able to create spaces that are that take a stance to say, I'm not going to do this because. I mean, but the why part of the why is the history too it's it's not being ignorant mm-hmm. of our our history and our past and, and i mean we're having a bit of a crisis in canada right now with the, our our treatment of indigenous peoples and the fact mm-hmm. that you know 200 years of 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 basically denying the idea that there were residential schools and children's graves that's coming home to roost with us isn't it absolutely absolutely and i think that and i think you know i fully support what you're saying about taking that stance. And I think it's a matter of that education of, of the why. So really yes. expanding upon, I'm not doing this because this is, this is what I believe. So expanding upon that stance is so important. Yes. And then that, and that history, the other thing that I've seen is a growth in authenticity, whether it's in tourism product and in, in people's talk in how we discern what's true and not true. And the authenticity is key. To a, to a destination. I mean, we've all heard stories where, you know, a destination walks, it talks it one way and walks it another way, but that authenticity really does speak to how we treat each other as people. A great place to visit has to be a great place to, to live, right? It does. It absolutely does. And I, I think I didn't answer your question before about what, what do we need to, to think about? Um, and I'm not escaping that, the, that, that answer. Um, I think, you know, the, a great first place to start and always revisit is um, what, you know, what does, why does equity, diversity, and inclusion matter to you as a, as a human being? Mm-hmm. I think that's the great first way to, to start and keep asking yourself that because it, it will change. Yes, it will. And it, it certainly changed my entire life for sure, for sure. Um, that's a great closing thought, but I'm going to ask you, do you want to add anything to that? I'm, I'm, again, I'm so happy to have you here and welcome, you know, my, uh, just welcome. And, you know, you have so many people who, who will help this succeed. And I'm really, I'm really proud of all of those people too. And I know they'll all be there. I know some of them, I, millions of them, I don't know, but I'm excited about what you want to do. Any closing thoughts? I am ready, willing, and able to have conversations. Um, I love I love talking to people. I love learning um, about different destinations and people, and I don't explain to know everything. So um, I want to learn in a way to be able to um, support um, this the tourism economy um, and the initiatives that we have. So um, I love, I'm accessible. Well, Sophia Heiderhawk, it's a real great pleasure to talk to you. Um, the humanist approach you bring to this um, 
is a good thing. And, and as the world has its troubles and strifes right now, this will make it better. So thanks again for being here. Really, really enjoy talking to you. Thanks so much, David.